and then he declares the end from the beginning. He declares what's going to happen in the very beginning. He, he lets you know. That's, he, he can do that because he operates outside of time. And uh, he has the ability to secretly sign his name. You know how in movies sometimes they'll have what they call like, what is it, an Easter egg or something like that, where something's hidden in a movie? Well, God in Scripture, um, he hides things for us. And like I said, one of the ways he does that is he declares the end from the beginning. So what that does is that makes the book of Genesis a very special book. Because um, there are so many, the beauty of it is why? Because it's the beginning. God sets it up as the beginning. And so God is revealing things. How many of the Gospels in Genesis? The Gospel that you and I enjoy is in the book of Genesis. How many of righteousness by faith is in Genesis? Um, it, it, it is absolutely full because God's declaring the end from the beginning. But many of these things are hidden. And so Genesis is actually a very special book uh, because so many things are mentioned for the first time. <clears throat> and so because of the fact that God declares the end from the beginning, and that means that when something is first mentioned in Scripture, you need to take a close look at the context of what's being said. And then it sets the stage for what that's going to mean throughout Scripture. And the big word for that would be the word typology. Typology. And what that means is, you know, um, you know there, there's a million different examples, but how many you know different things represent different things? Different people represent different things. How many you know Hagar wasn't just a woman in the Bible named Hagar? How many you know she represents uh, legalism? You know, um, and, and we see that when Paul is teaching in the New Covenant. You know, he talks about how Sarai or Sarah is a typology of those that are born of, of the free. Hagar are those that are born of bondage. Amen. I mean, you know that, that um, you know Isaac and um, Ishmael had the same dad, but they had different moms, right? And uh, Sarah, of course, representing faith, representing grace, representing the promise, <clears throat> raised Isaac as a free man. Uh, Ishmael, not being a free man, but being someone, you know, someone that would be in legalism or bondage. And so, there's all different types of typologies. I mean, you know, Egypt represents the world. Amen. It does. Egypt represents the world. Have you see Egypt? It represents worldly things. Bronze represents judgment. Silver represents redemption. Um, there's a there's a million different typologies in Scripture, and we're going to begin our study this morning talking about a specific typology. So I just want to give you a little bit of groundwork to make sure they're all on the same page. That this is one of the ways that you study Scripture. God declares the end from the beginning. When you see something mentioned in Scripture for the very first time, it's going to set the stage for the future. So, because I mean, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that's there that wasn't there on purpose. Every single detail. Every, you know, because, you know, sometimes, you know, you'll see God cover the span of 30 years in one sentence. And then you'll see God lay out every single detail about a certain life's experience. Like what type of tree a prophet was sitting under. What was the city that the prophet was in, you know. You know, my life is sitting under the juniper tree. That juniper tree represents something. It has meaning. That's why God mentioned it. So you have to understand that. When you're reading scripture, you're not you're reading a treasure full of secrets. You know, that's one of the things that that's the scripture that God brought me into the kingdom on, Jeremiah 33, 3. I will call call unto me and I will show you great and hidden things that you know not. <clears throat> and God will reveal things to you. I mean, you, know, you are those whose eyes have been opened to the gospel. I mean, you know, not everyone has their eyes open to the gospel. Amen. 
Um, and, and so it, it, it's a privilege, it's an honor, but God is God is always revealing truth to us, revealing secrets to us, if we, if we want to. Uh, we can stay surface level or we can go deeper. It's our choice. He'll never force you, he just invites you. But Genesis chapter 3, we see an important typology that we're going to take a look at. And, um, and we pick it up in verse 6. This is uh, after the fall of man has taken place. They've eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, and, you know, they're in, a, they're in a fallen state. <clears throat> we pick it up in verse 6. It says, it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit. She also gave her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And so we see man lose, uh, really, we, we see man's eyes open, you know, to good and evil. We see man <clears throat> lose his sense of covering. And immediately man enters into a state of condemnation and shame. What does condemnation make you do? Make you do? It makes you run from the person that loves you the most. Come on. Because you don't feel worthy of their love. Yeah. And so, you know, the fall of man did not change God. The fall of man changed man and changed man's perception of God. You know, God didn't stop meeting with man as a result of the fall. If you look down, it says, And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So God still came down. God was still interested in fellowship. God wanted to uh, commune with them. God wanted to spend time with them. But because condemnation had entered into their hearts, they immediately thought they were unworthy of God. And they immediately thought that God was mad at them. And so rather than coming to a place of fellowship, they actually hide themselves. Now, how many know, and I'll just drop this in here, how many know that God always wants to fellowship with you? Always. Okay, you have to understand that. Always. There's never a time when he doesn't want to fellowship with you. Um, you know, you can think, well, you know, God doesn't want to be with me when I'm angry. God doesn't want to be with me, you know, when I'm caught up, you know, in temptation or I'm making a mistake or I have a fall. No, he's right there. And, and the more I understand the presence, I have, I have had the presence of the Lord come on me right when I was in the middle of making a mistake. And the more I understand uh, uh, the gospel, the more I stop having an Old Testament mindset. I mean, you know, when the presence of the Lord comes on you in the midst of you making a mistake, you're less likely to make a mistake. <laughs> because he's right there. You know, it's easier to sin against anger than it is to sin against love. Boy, when you know somebody loves you, you know somebody cares about you, they're never going to leave you, it gets harder and harder to repent. It really does. Um, it's the opposite of what legalistic Christianity says. Grace doesn't give you a license to sin. The abundance of grace sets you free from the dominion of sin. Amen? And so, anyway, and so God's always, so here we see the Lord, He's ready to spend time with them. The fall did not change Him, but it did change them. And so what they did was they actually hid themselves. They did not feel worthy. And there are two types of hiding that took place. The first thing, it, they sewed the fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And so they, they, they covered themselves in fig leaves. This was their covering, right? And then it says they also hid themselves in the trees. But what I'm going to show you is, how I many know God didn't have to say fig leaves? He couldn't just say leaves. But if he put it in there purposely, 
and there's a name behind what type of leaf it is, there's a reason for it. And so this is the first time fig leaves are mentioned in Scripture. Uh, this is the first time man makes an attempt to cover himself. Okay? I mean, up to this point, God had covered him in the glory of the Lord. God had, you know, kept him in a state of innocence. God had done it. And so this is the first time we see man's efforts at fixing his problems. Amen. Very first time you see it. You know, what they should have done is just run to God and say, we messed up, we need help. But they did. They covered themselves and hid, and they immediately began to accuse God and to accuse each other. When condemnation is not handled properly, it's going to bring slander and accusation. How I many of those are two of the primary attributes you see in legalistic man-made religion? What do they do? They go around talking bad about people, judging people, and condemning people. Condemnation not handled properly is always going to result in slander. I mean, you know, that's what that's what a good for you know. Like I said, I, you know, I've been doing a lot of evangelism here lately, and just you know, it's been talking to people, and you know, I was talking to some people last night that've been doing a lot of evangelism too. And your primary challenge with evangelism is is is, is other other Christians. It's legalism. That's your primary challenge. I mean, that is, um, you know, we had an opportunity to, to, to spend some time around some, some people out on this dock and stuff. And, and you know, they're, they're, these people, a lot of people turn their back on God because they've had, a, they've had um, a legalistic believer come and accuse them and tear them apart and judge them and do all of those things. And so they turn their heart away from God. But really, I mean, all that was never God's heart towards them, right? And so, um, one of the challenges that we face, you know, with, with evangelism is people that have dealt with that accusatory, slanderous expression of Christianity. I mean, you know, our, our message is not to go around telling everybody what they're doing is wrong. I mean, our message is a message of good news that God loves people, and he, and he takes people that are spiritually dead, and he brings them to life. I mean, the gospel is good news, amen? Now, there, I mean, you know, there is correction, uh, you know, once you get saved and once you're in the kingdom, you know, if, if someone is, you know, doing something, you know, that, that is contrary to love and they're not receiving correction from the Spirit, I mean, you know, the Scriptures are going to come and correct you. You know, if you're stealing, you're not called to steal, you're called to give. Can I get an amen? You know, you're not, you're not called to live in wrath, you're called to live in love. So, Scripture is going to come and correct you. But the message of the gospel is that God loves you in the midst of your mistakes, in the midst of your sin. But when condemnation is not handled properly, it immediately starts a chain reaction of accusation. Adam blames God, this woman that you've given me, and he blames her immediately. Accusing. Why? He's dealing with condemnation and he's trying to fix it with fig leaves. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, fig leaves can't fix condemnation. Fig leaves can't, I mean, you know, the fact and what I, what I love about this is, notice they didn't do anything, they didn't make animal skins. They didn't do, they did. They used something that was going to wither up and not work. Sure. How many of you know, a leaf will cover you for a couple of days, man? But how many of you know, a leaf pulled from a tree is going to wither? Right. And, and, and that's the thing about all of our attempts to cover ourselves it's never going to be lasting. It's never going to work. Why? Because man does not have the ability to fix himself. 
I mean, that's, that's one of the major themes of, of all of creation. We cannot fix ourselves. But they picked something to cover their nakedness, and like I said, it was a, it was a, it was a short-term fix. And so, what, what fig leaves represent is self-righteousness. Fig leaves represent self-righteousness. How many know they forsook God's righteousness? How many know they were already created in the image of God? They forsook that. They laid that down, and they stepped into a cleverly devised plan of the enemy who lured them in, promising them the image of God that they already had, and in taking that image, uh, they, they lost their covering. And so anytime you see something about a fig tree or fig leaves in the Bible, remember the first instant of it was self-righteousness, man's attempt to cover himself, man's attempt to make himself right, man's attempt to cover his shame, to cover his nakedness, okay? So, so, so fig leaves, that's the typology for fig leaves, right? For fig trees. You know, even the nation of Israel um, is referred to uh, many times in Scripture as a fig tree. Why is that, Jeremiah? Because how many know that the, the, when I come on the nation of Israel, I'm talking about, you know, Jews that are not saved. How many know their system was a system of self-righteousness? Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Wow. I mean, it was. <clears throat> they were, they were, they were self-righteous. Why? Because their, their standing with God was based on their ability to keep all of the laws, right? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons they were so offended at Jesus when he came, because Jesus came as the stumbling block and said, you can't save yourself. You know, Jesus would say things like, unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you're not going to enter into the kingdom. I mean, you know, self-righteousness does not flow with the kingdom, right? And so, uh, fig leaves, fig tree, represent self-righteousness. Now, you know, most people aren't aware of how much self-righteousness they actually deal with. Um, and, I, and I say that for believers, and I say that also for unbelievers as well, because the, 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 the vast majority of motivation in all of humanity is trying to prove that I'm okay, that I'm all right. I mean, it really is. That's one of the primary motivations of all of mankind, is trying to prove that I'm okay. Why? Because inherently, because of the fall of man, there's this sense of, I'm not okay. And, and, and I am, there's something wrong with me, and so I've got to try to find a fig leaf to hide behind so that I can feel okay about myself. Now, vast majority of the world doesn't know anything about self-righteousness, doesn't know anything about fig leaves, but how many know everybody's clamoring trying to prove that they're okay? And so, so everyone's trying to find something to build their confidence on. And different people do different things. I mean, you know, some people uh, build their confidence on how much money they have. Some people build their confidence on, uh, you know, the way they look, what kind of car they drive, what kind of house they live in, uh, how good their kids are, how much education they have, uh, the fact that they're a hard worker. Um, or uh, there, there's, a, there's a million different things. But everybody out there has got a fig leaf. They're either hiding behind or developing. Right. When I was a young man, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I, I was raised by a single mom, and you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't put my confidence in my clothes. 
I couldn't put my confidence in how much money I had. Um, I didn't have anybody to teach me how to play sports, so I didn't really play any sports, you know. I didn't know how to throw a football or shoot a basketball or any of those things. And so uh, the, the one role model that I did have in my life was my uncle, and he was real funny, and he was a womanizer. And so for me, it was like, you know, to be a man, I've got to be a womanizer. And that is going to be, you know, that's going to be like my identity. And of course, he, he was a big time partier as well. And so that, so I embraced this identity of this partier. You know, I, you know, I could get the alcohol, I could get the drugs, and I could get the girls. That was my identity, right? And so, you know, I mean, there were times when I didn't even really want to do those things, but I needed it to keep my image up so I could feel okay about myself. And so I worked hard creating this image of this person that I was not. But how you know when you develop a fig leaf, you're trying to get other people to believe in that fig leaf. Because if you get enough people to believe in your fig leaf, then you can feel okay about yourself. I'm talking about creating a false image yeah. of being something that you're not. And so I spent all these years cultivating this image because really behind that image of being this, you know, this partier and this 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 kind of this whatever, this womanizer, whatever was this scary little boy who didn't have a dad. And he just wanted somebody to care about him and wanted somebody to think that he was okay. And so that was my feeling. And then, you know, I know other guys, you know, I can think of some guys in the town where every ounce of energy, every ounce of money, every everything they had went into their car. <laughs> everything. You know, and, and what, what, what were they trying to do? Well, the, that car was their fig leaf. That car was their identity. I can remember a guy, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and how do you know the, the bigger your fig leaf, the more insecure you are? Yeah. And I can remember this guy, he, 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 I mean, he had a really nice car, you know, and he was, and he was super, and we all thought the car was awesome, but that car was his identity. Yeah. If you took that car away from him, you took away everything from him. And, and so, and, and you know, and how many know you can, and there's a million different things, and we've talked about it all day long. You know, one of the things I really try to get, you know, my son Ethan not to do is not to identify with his, 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 his athletic ability. You're more valuable than how well you shoot a basketball or kick a soccer ball. You know, I don't like, it's great to have, to, to pursue those things. I mean, it's nice to have a nice car. You know what I'm saying? It's nice to have money in the bank. It's nice to have an education. It's nice to to have these things, it's nice to have, but if you identify with it, then what happens is the moment it gets shaken, your entire core is ripped apart because you don't know who you are, because you spent your whole life identifying with it. Or, you know, you may have an identity as being a hard worker. You know, you're just always a hard worker. He's a hard worker. He's a hard worker. He's a hard worker. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a hard worker. Can't get an amen. But then you might have a period of your life where you don't have a job. Where things have been pulled out underneath you and you're being challenged, and all of a sudden, how do you know your identity's being rocked? And you're looking around and you don't know what to catch yourself on. And here's the thing we want to build our identity on Jesus Christ. That's what we want. Because how do you know He's the cornerstone, He's the foundation. Yeah, go shake Jesus. I don't care how much this world shakes, I don't care what goes on, you are not shaking Jesus Christ. And so, if I can teach my son to build his confidence in who he is in Christ rather than his athletic ability, how many know that that'll come confidence into every other aspect of his life? Yes. I mean, you know, there's so many little girls that all they think about is the way they look. 
All they think about is the way they look. They gotta look this way. They gotta, they gotta look. And I know there's nothing wrong with looking good. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look good. There's nothing wrong with those things. But how many know that is your identity? How many know there's always gonna be somebody prettier? Yeah, how many know there's always gonna be somebody stronger? There's always gonna be somebody that works harder. And in, and in the world that we live in with social media, it used to be you had a small, you, you lived in a little small pond. Now you're on stage with everybody on this planet. You know? I mean, and, and, and now it's like you want to look on social media. I mean, there are 16-year-olds that are bench pressing more than I'm deadlifting, you know, as far as weightlifting, weightlifting and stuff goes. Yeah. And, and and there are, I mean, so and so when you when you get out of fig leaf, you're always competing with somebody else. You're always measuring yourself with somebody else. And so one or two things are happening when you're doing that. You're measuring yourself, and you're, you're either feeling condemned because you're not as good as them, or you're excited about their failure so you can feel better about yourself. I mean, you know, none of those things are healthy, and none of those things are love. Um, it's not good for you to have got good for those around you. And so when you are operating in self-righteousness, when you're hiding behind a fig leaf, everybody's a competitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah. And how many go, you can't, you can't push somebody down and help somebody up at the same time. Right. And how many know, we're not called to be those that push people down. Amen. We're called to be those that help people up. Yeah. Amen. But, but that self-righteousness, that fig leaf mentality turns everybody into a competitor. And then, I mean, you bring that over to the body of Christ, and then it really gets up. I mean, it's the spiritual Olympics. Yeah. Competition. Who reads their Bible the most? You know, who, who prays the most? Who evangelizes the most? Who goes to the most church services? Who gives the most? Who supports Israel the most? And then next thing you know, we got fig leaves, not worldly fig leaves, but they're, they're uh, man-made religion fig leaves. And then you got people competing in the church, trying to see who's the most spiritual. Oh, gosh. And, and so, how many of you know the fig leaf life is not the good life? It's not. And so, what, what God wants to do is he wants to, he wants to pull your fig leaf off. <laughs> he does, man. He wants to pull that off, and he wants to behold you and tell you that you are beautiful just the way you are. You don't gotta have a, you don't gotta have this super nice car to be loved. You don't have to have this super nice body to be loved. You don't have to have. Uh, a spouse to be loved. You don't have to have some gifting to be loved. You don't have to have a big church to be loved. You don't have to have any of you don't have to have this athletic ability to be loved. God's like, I don't I don't want your fig leaves. I want you. And I like you, just I like you. You know what I'm saying? Like not just love you, but I like you. And man, and so it's really that's what grace comes to do. Grace comes to actually remove all your fig leaves off that you've been spending all these years gathering and hiding behind, who really are just wilted dead leaves at this point, and and things that we spent all this time trusting in. I mean, it can be difficult to let go of something that you thought was your identity. Yeah, right. It can be hard to do, man, when you spent so much of your life 
build the case on it, I mean, you won't let it go. It's just, and, and, and I would say that it's comparable to, to being naked in front of the public. You know, I mean, oh, we're, you know, most of us aren't going to be comfortable being naked in front of the public. You know what I'm saying? Because, because and that's normal. But like God's like, I want to remove everything that you've trusted in so you can trust in me. And I'll tell you, you can have a, a, a season where God's removing a fig leaf and it can be an uncomfortable season. But it's a time of development. You know? Um, I know people who have been burnt out in legalism and, and, and they just kind of push it. And God set them down for a season. You know? Grant Fairley's got a, a wonderful testimony about that. You know, he just talked about how you know, he, was, he was the young preacher. You know, in his town, you know, in Hazard, and everybody would have Grant come and preach. You know, he's got a powerful preaching gift. He's always had it. You know, and, and and but it became his identity. It became who he was. But how I many of oh, God doesn't want you identifying with your gift? God wants you to identify it as a son or daughter of God. Because as long as you identify with your gift, you're only going to feel valuable when you have something you can give. And then you have times when you don't have anything to give, and if you don't have anything to give, you don't feel valuable. God's like, I want you to know that you have value beyond what you can do for me. Yeah. Beyond what you what you can show with your gifting. Yeah. And, and so like he had this season where God was actually detoxing him from identifying with his gift. And he he he, he took you know he took time out and just didn't preach. He was just a, a person, you know, and it healed him of woundings. I know another guy, a friend of mine in ministry, you know, and, and uh, he, he and the same thing happened to him. I was doing a, when I first met him, I was doing a conference with him in Canada, and he had a, he had a very large, influential ministry. Now, once you start preaching grace, it started dwindling down. But he was when he was in legalism, he had this massive ministry. But he he'd been the preacher for it since he was a kid, you know, and and God took him out of that and put him over in the secular community. He, he, ran a business in California for a season. Now he's back in the ministry now. Grant's back in the ministry now. Um, but anything that you're using to justify yourself or to, to, to give your sense a sense of value outside of just God's love for you honestly is not healthy for you. Because when it's going well, you can feel good about yourself. When it's not going well, you don't feel good about yourself. And how many old God's love is not giving out like that? It's not a dropper for being a good boy. <clears throat> You're a good boy, take some drops. How many old God's love towards you is an ocean dumped on you on your good days and on your bad days? And until you can get comfortable being unconditionally loved for who you are as a child of God, that fig, you're not, God's not going to be able to pry that fig leaf out of your hand because you're still trying to hide behind it and trying to convince somebody that you're worthy. Amen? Do you have something? Take the mic. Please. Yeah. I ain't going to throw it that far. I don't trust me or you that far. I don't want to hit a child. Amen. First thing you're saying is it's, it's, God likes you. God is joyous you. Yeah. Like, Song of Solomon says, You have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride, with one glance of your eye. 
Zephaniah says he dances over us with rejoicing. God doesn't just like you, he enjoys you good. as you are. And what you're talking about is receiving the unfinished. That is how to get free of sin. It is not trying harder. It is receiving the unconditional love of God that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, no matter what you accomplish, at any moment you are fully loved and accepted. Yeah. And the minute that you can let go of the pride, because pride tells us we have to earn. We have to prove ourselves. We are surrounded by a world system that indoctrinates us all of that. You must earn what you are. And the kingdom says, no, you are everything because you've been made that way. Yeah, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Yeah, and, and then your productivity comes out of who you are, and, uh, not your value. And let me tell you something. Worship leaders yeah. probably struggle has a significant struggle with identifying with a gift because it's a very visible gift. So true, man. It's a very visible gift, and people will associate talent with all kinds of things. Yeah. Talent doesn't equal character. Talent doesn't equal commitment. Talent, talent doesn't equal faithfulness. Yeah. And, you know, there was a season in my life, I don't know, that the Lord's like, lay it down. Don't do it. I went almost a year, year and a half, almost, yeah, of not leading worship. Yeah. Because that thing needs to be pruned in me. Yeah. Because, especially if you have a rejection wound, which a lot of creatives do, yeah. you're, you're, you're looking to your art, you're looking to what you do to gain validation. Yeah. And I wanted to say that anyone that is gifted in the arts, you're, if you let go, of letting that thing be your identity. Well, I'm this, I'm that. Yeah. If you let that go and give that to God, yeah. and just truly rest in His love and acceptance, and let that be the bedrock of everything, and if, if you don't do a single thing the rest of your life, it will not change. There's, there's a song uh, by uh, John, and there's nothing I can do that can make you love me more. There's nothing I can do that can make you love me less. Yeah. If you let Jesus bedrock that in you, yeah. and you get that at your core, the fruitfulness in your life will explode effortlessly. Yeah. Because you will flow from a place of identity, of knowing who you are and how much you're loved, and it takes that burden. It takes that burden of trying to earn and trying to be off of you, and it gives you freedom to be who you really are really create and really what God's giving you to be. And worship, we need worship leaders who worship. The, the Father's call is that a worship, that's what means to worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah, the Father is looking for such worshipers. Yeah. Not looking, he's not looking for people to try to prove something. Yeah. It's good. And, uh, anyways, it's it's very good. You know, and, you know, it's not, we're not saying there's going to be an absence of fruitfulness or an absence of productivity. You know, it's just saying don't identify with it. You know, don't identify with it. Don't allow it to be what covers you. Don't allow it to be what gives you confidence. But, you know, everything in our world set up like that. And when you meet somebody, when you ask them, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. What do you do? You know, when people meet Ethan, you're whatever, you know, oh, what, what sport do you play? 
you know, and, and you know, and it's always, you know, and, and even mamas, you know, how I many mamas can identify with their ability to be a mom to their children? And, 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 and I mean, you know, that, that's a performance strategy that's going to eat your lunch. Because I don't care how good a mama you are, periodically your kid is going to act crazy. I mean, that's just part I mean, it's just going to happen. I mean, and it's not your fault. They're just kids. I mean, they're kids. You know, I'm not like speaking crazy over the kids or anything. I'm just saying, like, I think mamas, they put so much pressure on themselves. And there's no such thing as a perfect mom. I mean, raising kids is messy. It's messy. It's literally messy. And it's, it's, just messy and like it's just you can't do that you know and ministers you know they they can't allow and this is a real mistake in legalism ministers allow their identity to be on how well their people don't sin yeah yeah that's what they do and so then they they and so like so then now like you know you're representing this church you're representing us you know, and, and so, you know, you got to act like this and do this because you're, and so what they're actually saying is, I don't really care about you. I just want you to make me look good. You know, and I just, oh, I just, I hate stuff like that because, I mean, you know, that puts pressure on the, the, the minister and also puts pressure on the people that shouldn't be there. Feel the same way about my kids, you know, so many, so many pastors' kids, you know, they, they get all this pressure, you know, on them. They got to act a certain way. We do not roll like that in Johnson House. No. Like, it is not, I'm not going to do that to my kids. I'm not going to put all that pressure on them, you know? I mean, I'm just not going to do that. People don't need that kind of pressure. There's enough pressure in the world. And so I'm thankful that as a minister, I don't look at people that way, you know? I was raised up in the ministry looking at people that way, but I don't look at people that way any longer because um, people don't need that pressure. Kids don't need that pressure. Moms don't need that pressure. I mean, you know, so we, we have to take this yoke of Jesus on us, which is easy in life, to where we can enjoy our identity in Christ and not hide behind all these fig leaves. But how many know sometimes you got some fig leaves you're not aware of? You know what I'm saying? And, and that's where God comes in, and, and he'll take his finger and take the spirit of God and say, man, the reason you're unhappy is you're trusting in that as your identity. You know, and I, and I think a lot of us, we got our boat rocked in, you know, 2020 with the pandemic and all that because all of a sudden all the things that we were identifying with, we couldn't do anymore. And, and we really got rocked. And I think, you, I mean, I don't, I don't celebrate anything that happened. But how many of God will take what the enemy means for evil and turn it for good? Yeah. And how many of some of your greatest developments in challenging times? It just is. Like, that's not something any of us are excited about, but you, you don't develop on the sunny days when the ice cream tastes great. Do we want every day to be the sunny day where the ice cream? Yes, that's what we're shooting for. We're shooting for the good days. But it's the challenging days when you develop. And really, and, and a lot of times, our biggest, or like just people not liking you, or people attacking you, or people coming against you. How many of that happens? And, and here's the thing, your value can't be, be on how much people like you. Right. Certainly not if you're going to be a Christian. And certainly not if you're going to take a stand for this gospel. Right. Because if you're going to take a stand for this gospel, you're going to, you're going to be not liked by good people. Amen. I mean, that's just that. By good people. Like, wonderful people. But they're not going to like you because they think you're saying something that you're not saying. They think that you're supporting something that you're not supporting. But how many of you, at the end of the day, you can't put your acceptance and justification on the opinions of other people? Right. And I think, and you know, and, and I'm not, 
I'm not up here like saying I've arrived at this. I think this is a struggle that all humans deal with. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like your value, you know. You know, as a minister, you know, one thing I'm challenged, how many, how many views am I getting online? Yeah. You know, how many people are coming to church? You know, um, you know, how many people are responding to the message? All of these things. I mean, you know, my identity can't be in that. Yeah. My identity's got to be in the Lord. And all of us, God wants to remove these fig leaves out of our lives so that we will not trust in these things to, to make us feel like feel like we're okay. Amen. Uh, he wants to bring us into, you know, a place of freedom. Now, and if you want to know what that freedom looks like, look at a child. Mm-hmm. Look at a child. Come on, a young child. I'm talking about before that knowledge of good and evil has really arisen in their mind. You know, like, like you know, Lily. Lily's not self-conscious. She ain't sweating, y'all. You know, she don't care what y'all think. You know, and, and you know, we, and, 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 and Lily naked is Lily happy. <laughs> she loves to be naked. Why? I mean, because it's just better, you know. But she, she's, but she's not self-conscious. She don't care. And I would say Eli's still in that boat too. Eli can run straight up in here, butt naked, not care what any of y'all thought, you know. Because he's still experiencing that freedom. He's not. And I'm not encouraging, you know, blah blah. blah. You understand what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is, they have not tasted of the knowledge of good evil yet, and they're enjoying something we don't have. Yeah. There's a freedom that they have. Okay, but how I many know oh God says come as a child? He wants to restore that innocence in our lives. Like he, he he wants he wants you to feel good about yourself, whether anybody else is is applauding you or liking what you're doing or or anything, because your validation comes from the Lord. Pick it and I feel like we we've all because how I many know oh fig leaves will attach themselves to you. People will put a fig leaf on. They were never even realized. You know, my mom. My mom. God love my mom. But my mom was like, my mom. God love her. She pushed me in the direction, honestly, of being a woman. Because because she would always brag about all the girls who would call me. You know, she would always. So I mean, you know, and, and it was. And she didn't know any better, but she pushed me in that direction. She put that fig leaf on me. She didn't know it. But you know, she would you know brag to her you know to her friends or whatever. And the phone just rings all night. All these girls calling, you know, and all this stuff. And and uh, you know, and, and we live in a world where that's so celebrated, right? We do. I mean, we can so oh well, he's just a ladies' man or whatever. But how many of us are garbage? There's no such thing as a ladies' man. You get one lady. You get one man. That's how it works. That that's the way God created it to be. But we've lived in a world that has amplified that, exalted that to such a place that some that that and so that was a fig leaf that was that was placed on me. And so I labored under that fig leaf because that was my identity, you know. And uh, and I mean, oh God had had to had to remove that thing. You can't trust in that, you know. And and so for all of us, you know, and, and, and like I said. For, for being a mom or, or being a dad or because here's the thing, I mean, you know, have days when you have some good mom days or you have some good dad days and then you have some crappy dad days. You have some crappy mom days. You know, you have some, 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 you know, I mean, Brian, you have some good worship leader days. You know what I'm saying? Then you have some challenging worship leader days. You know, we look, we're in a church and we're not having performance in here. And, and we, we have, we have guarded the, the purity and the rawness that's in here. We celebrate it. 
You know, you do, you forget what you're talking about. You forget a scripture. You you know you you, you whatever. Like you're going to be loved the same. You know what I'm saying? There's, it's not going to. We can't have that. We don't want performance in the body of Christ. What are you saying? So the, so the most when I've gotten the strongest response from people say, "Man, that was awesome worship today." Mm-hmm. In the days when I was struggling the most. Yeah. 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 When, I, when I was coming, I'd be, I'd, I'd have an internal struggle. Yeah. I'd just have to push past. Yeah. I didn't want to leave for three Oh, yeah. Three times. I just did not want to leave for Oh, yeah. But I know the Lord's saying do it. Yeah. He yeah. yeah. And then God just takes my willingness. Yeah. I'm not qualified. I'm not nothing other than just willing. Sure, sure. And that's what's about. It's just, it's just surrendered to that. Yeah. And, and, and 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 it eliminates this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I used to do that so much. Yeah, we, we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want that for you. We don't want that for us. I mean, you know, we come to church, you can wear whatever you want to wear. Exactly. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can come in here, you can wear whatever you want to wear. It don't matter. You know, and that and that goes for you know that goes from Dan and his three piece suit, or me and my flip flops. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like anything. Why? Because it doesn't matter. We're not here for show. You know, and, and I think it goes for both ends of the spectrum. You know, some people want to dress up and come to church, and that's awesome. Some people don't want to dress up and come to church, and that's awesome. How I many know you can have bias towards both? Yeah. And you should be able to do whatever you want to do. You know, there should be freedom to do that. Your acceptance should not be based on, on the clothes that you wear or the job that you work at or, or what you're dealing with. Love comes in and, and it brings you freedom. Amen. And so. God is always removing the fig leaf off of us. Always. Always, always, always. Fig leaf trying to attach itself, God removes it. Why? Because you're not going to be happy hiding behind a fig leaf. You're not going to feel loved. Why do you think the Pharisees and Sadducees struggled so much to receive from Jesus? Like, you don't see one of them, one of them you. Like there's a there's a passage of scripture where it says the power of the Lord was present to heal. And it's in the context of Pharisees and Sadducees being there. None of them got healed. You know why they didn't get healed? Because listen to me. You can't experience love behind the mask. Behind the fig leaf. Why can't you experience it? Because you never feel worthy of it. And so what you're presenting is a lie. Uh, oh, Seriously. Yeah. How, did, how does the Pharisee get love? Well, they got to get delivered from self-righteousness first. And that's why you see Jesus minister the law to the Pharisee. I mean, can't nobody preach law like Jesus preached law. For real. Jesus preached it harder than Moses did. Why did he do that? Because he loved the people with masks on. And you ain't letting go of your mask under grace. I know that sounds crazy. But the legalists, the law has got to bring them to the end of themselves. How do you know when the Good Samaritan came? Not the Good Samaritan, but the rich young ruler. He said, Lord, what must I do to get into heaven? He said, Jesus didn't give him the evangelical answer. Why? Because he had a mask on. He said, well, you got to do this and this and this. He said, I've done them all. And how I many you know he's either lying or deceived? Yeah. And I don't think he's lying. I think he's genuine. I just think he's deceived. Yeah. And she said, well, one thing you lack. 
Why? What's Jesus doing? He's trying to get that mask off of him of him thinking he's so awesome he deserves to be in heaven. He cannot experience love until he fails. Isn't it amazing? But like, I guess his thing was money. And he, and he had some money. And Jesus said, go give all your money, give your money to the poor, follow me. And he went away sad. Why? He didn't want to do it. He hid behind this mask. He couldn't give that up. It was his identity. I'm sure he had a great name in town. He, you know, he, he's a rich young ruler. He's a young man. He's done well for himself. He's a good man. He's an integral man. He's a, 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 mask, 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 mask. Big leaf, big leaf, big leaf. Jesus can't touch him because he's got to get rid of the mask. So Jesus going to address the mask. Because the mask is propped up by moralism. The mask is propped up by self-effort. The mask is propped up by these things. He said, there's one thing you lack. Now, Jesus wasn't tearing it down because he didn't love him. Jesus was trying to pull the mask off of him because he did love him. But I know it's painful to lose the mask. <clears throat> Here recently, Eli had this bump on the back of his uh, knee, right here, right in here, and it was, uh, and it had, I mean, and it was red and painful and big, and it had a head on it that was humongous. Wow. And so, like, this was yesterday. This was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, as his parents, we know until that stuff comes out, it's just going to hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt and get worse, right? right. <clears throat> but I know as a three-year-old, you do not want anybody popping your little thing. Because you know how bad it hurts, right? You don't want to touch it, don't want you to look at it. But how you know, I know he's got something he needs to be delivered from. But and until he gets delivered, that stuff comes out. I'm sorry, this is gross, I'm sorry, but this is real life stuff. I mean, we've all experienced it. I mean, until that stuff comes out, it's not gonna get better. But in order for it to come out, there's a moment of pain. Now this morning, I like he took a bath last night. I held his little butt down and, and, and I pulled some of it out. Did I enjoy doing it? No. Did it feel like love to him? No. Was it love? Yes. It was. Of course it was love. If I, if I had just left it alone, God only knows what could have potentially happened. So he had a moment of severe discomfort. Now today it's totally better. He's not dealing with it at all. But he had a moment of severe discomfort so he could get free from something that was hurting him. That's so good. How I many know there are moments when God's coming for your fig leaf? He's coming for it and he's going to take it. You may you probably ain't going to like it when it happens because you spent so much time identifying with it. But when he takes it and he removes it, you're going to be free and you're going to be happy. And you're not going to be, you're not, and that pain that you've been harboring is going to be free from you. Y'all tracking me? Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 I know. I, it's God. It's the Spirit of God. You, man, how many know we, we, can, we can identify with a lot of things? How many know we can identify with our pain? We can identify with things that we went through. That's right. And how many know, how many know you're not called to be a victim? Can I get an amen? amen. Your identity is not a victim. Right. You've been through hell. We all have. I thought we've been hurt. But how I many know you can't take that victim badge and let it be the fig leaf that you hide behind? How I many know God's coming for that fig leaf? Now He'll let you hide behind it for a season, but He knows that you can't go where you're going and still hide behind that fig leaf. Because God don't want to see that fig leaf; He wants to see your beautiful face. Are y'all tracking me here? And, and, and there's a lot of fig leaves. I mean, there's 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 tons of them. 
But God's after him because behind the fig leaf, you don't feel beautiful. Behind the fig leaf, you don't feel strong. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel like you have enough. Because behind the fig leaf, really, there's an element of where you're actually, you actually feel like you're living a lie. Because you feel like, man, if people really found out who I was, they wouldn't like me. People really found out who I was, they wouldn't love me. I mean, I haven't even felt like that. There's so much shame. There's so much shame. So we just had fig leaf after fig leaf after fig leaf, and we're, and we're hiding behind it. But God's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it off. You know, and, and see, you are beautiful. See, you are awesome. You know, and, and, and you know, praise God, you know, for changing things outwardly and, and all these things. But how many of you know God wants to show you that you're that you're beautiful on the inside? Yeah. You're not trying to get beautiful from the outside to the inside. God wants to show you you're beautiful on the inside, so the beauty that's inside of you can come on the outside. Right. Are y'all tracking me here? It always, it always comes back to, to, to identity. Amen? Everything flows out of identity, but we've had so many things cloud our identity that we've been living up, we've been hiding. Now turn to Matthew chapter 21, please. Y'all get anything out of this today? This all came from, I heard this phrase in my, in my spirit, uh, the, the fig leaf free life. I heard that this week, the fig leaf free life. A place of freedom, a place of being comfortable in your own skin. You know, one of the things that Grace has taught me, Grace has taught me to deny a godliness, Grace has taught me to be comfortable with who I am. You know, and, and, and what it has enabled me to do is I can be the same person behind this pulpit that I am sitting at my couch at home. You know what I'm saying? Or at Walmart. I don't have to try to be, I don't, I don't have to be anything. I can just be myself. You know how wonderful that is? Golly, it's so much better. Because now, you know, I mean, it's hard to hold that mask. It's hard to hold that fig leaf. It, it, takes, it takes work and effort. And, and legalism, man, it would it wear me out. <clears throat> Being a Christian was, 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 was exhausting. Yeah. <clears throat> you can only do it once or twice a week. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, all we, that's all we can handle, man. We go to church. Come on, get your ass. Fight all the way there. You know, get it. I can do that for a while. You get back in the car, get your sweatpants back on, and start fighting again, and give me some pizza because I gotta medicate this. <laughs> It's true, man. You know, like, it's funny because, like, in, in legalistic Christianity, like, we don't advocate, like, using drugs or, like, you know, getting drunk or anything like that. But we, we will use food. We will buy faith. And that's how they did. We were miserable under legalism, so we just ate. Because we because that was cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we, we can't do drugs, you know, we can't get drunk, we can't beat somebody up, but bless God, we can. Yeah, man, bluntly, we encourage you. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we're going to bluntly ice today. Let's go. You know? Anyway, praise God. But the point being is, it, it was very hard. And now it's so much easier to just be yourself because you're enough. Can I get an amen? And, 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 and oh, it's just so much better. Okay. So now, fast forward here, and, and we see something very interesting that Jesus does 
And once again, God mentions the fig tree. Okay? This is one of the most unusual things that Jesus does in the scripture. And Jesus does a lot of unusual things. But this one, without an understanding of this typology, you think, Jesus, what's up? So anyway, Matthew 21, verse 18. It says, this is Jesus. Now in the morning, when he's returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a long fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, no longer shall there ever be any fruit from you. And it wants the fig tree with it. Now, it's like Jesus is having a tough morning. He can't find his coffee. He's just wanting to fish. And you know what I'm saying? And, like, and so he comes and Jesus, I mean, you don't see Jesus curse a lot of things in his ministry. I mean, you just don't. You don't see Jesus do that. You see Jesus, but here we see Jesus curse something. He curses it, and it dies. And it's like, what's is Jesus grumpy today? What's going on? What's his problem? But how many know that, understand this typology, how many know the true righteous one is coming? And he's standing in front of the fig tree that has leaves that is self-righteousness. How many know Jesus has come to curse and wither the self-righteousness, so the true righteous one can come and clothe you with the robe of righteousness. Yeah. I mean, you don't need a fig leaf any longer. See, and this robe of righteousness, you don't put it on. He puts it on you. Just like the, the prodigal son and the father. I mean, the father put the robe on. I mean, Jesus comes and he drapes his beautiful robe of righteousness upon him. You know, when you're in heaven, that's what you're going to be wearing. You're going to be wearing the fine linen, the righteousness of the saints. <clears throat> Amen. That is what's covering you. And so Jesus curses self-righteousness, and it withers and dies. But then it's taken a step further because we find the secret of great faith right here in this moment. And Jesus answered them and said, Truly I say to you, be of faith and do not doubt. You will not only do what is done to the fig tree, but even if you say this mountain, be taken up cast in the sea, what happened? And all that you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Here's the thing. <clears throat> when you remove self-righteousness, faith flows. Self-righteousness clogs faith up. It frustrates grace. Okay? And so, <clears throat> you know, Back in, in my day, we spent all of our time, I cannot say that, back in my day, uh, anyway, we spent all of our time trying to have great faith. And so we thought the way that we had great faith, we need to hear the word more. Hear the word more, hear the word more, hear the word more, hear the word more, hear the word more. Well, we were in church six days a week, three, four hour services, reading our Bibles all the time, weren't allowed to watch movies or sports, and then the only person that had great faith was a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because he could get up and tell us how great his faith was, and we didn't have him like to do that. We all just had to sit down and worship his faith. But but the abundance of word didn't bring great faith. And the reason that it didn't, and there's two reasons. Number one, that word says faith comes by hearing by the word of God. In the original Greek, it's not the word theos, it's the word Christos. The message of Jesus is what brings faith. And the message of Jesus really is just him and his amazing grace. Your faith rises when you see Jesus in his grace. 
Because what grace says is it's free, you don't have to buy it, you don't have to earn it, it's yours. That's how salvation comes. You believe, it's just like a hero. How many of you don't have to have a great faith for Superman to save you? How many of Superman won't save you because he's Superman? Okay? You don't have to have great faith for Jesus to save you. You just have to know that he's Superman. And understanding his grace lets you know that he's Superman. He's a hero, not a taskmaster. Amen? He, he won't save you. I mean, when, when all the people he healed in his earthly ministry, none of them were saved. They were all sinners. Their sin didn't stop him. The only thing that stopped Jesus from healing was self-righteousness. Not sin. He, he healed sinners left, right, upside down, and sideways. Not stop. Why? Because they saw a hero. The Pharisees saw a competitor. Because that mask made them measure themselves with Jesus rather than just falling into his arms and letting them save him. Y'all trying to me here? And so, when self-righteousness, so, number one, the message of how faith comes. But number two, how many of self-righteousness voids faith? It short-circuits faith. It short-circuits grace. Let's look at it in Scripture so that you'll, that, that you'll know uh, for sure. Let's turn to um, Galatians chapter 5. We're, we're going to hit a couple Scriptures just to really hit that point home, and, and then we'll step back into something else. Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, it says the most amazing thing. It says, Christ has become of no effect unto you, Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So, what does justify by the law mean? It's you doing something to prove your worth. I mean, on the very nature of the fig leaf is you have to put it on. See, law justification is more than just Ten Commandment justification. How I many of some, 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 some? Like, oh gosh, the list goes on and on and on. But I mean, you know, young ladies feel justified, if, you know, if their waist is smaller than a certain amount. They feel justified. They feel okay. Young men feel okay if they're driving a certain car or have a certain amount of strength or whatever. And, and, and so, anything that I do to try to prove my word or my worthiness to God is me trying to be justified by the law of actually falling from grace. Are y'all trying to be here? That's why the rich young ruler did not receive from Jesus. Because he was busy trying to justify himself through the law. And then he sees Zacchaeus, who's a tremendous sinner, who's a publican, who's a traitor to his, to his people, and yet he received. And those, those stories are put right next to each other purposely because one person... Um, was trying to justify themselves, the other person humbled themselves into the hand of God and received. Are you all tracking me here? So Christ has come no effect in whosoever you are justified by the law, you fall from grace. Justification by the law is self-righteousness. Trying to establish my own righteousness. If I try to establish my own righteousness, I'm falling from grace. I'm not able to receive grace, right? And then Galatians 2.21, if you guys want to flip back a couple, it, it, it says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, by what I do, that Christ is dead in vain. And so, once again, self-righteousness, 
frustrates grace. And turn to Romans chapter 4, and we see where it frustrates faith. And, and this, this concept is just a, I feel like it's, it's a challenging concept for the human mind to grasp. And, and uh, it just because, you know, somebody sent me something the other week. It was a quote by Martin Luther. And Martin Luther said, I preach justification by faith to my people every week because every week they forget it. You know, and, and I thought, and someone said that to me, said, that reminds me of you. And I said, well, it's true. Like, you, everything in the world measures you except God. <laughs> you know, God measured up for you and then gave himself to you, you know. But in, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, For those who are of the law, what they do, self-justification, are heirs. If they are the ones that receive, those that have earned it, faith is made void. Faith is made void. Faith is made void. Faith is made void. You may ever have a, a, a circuit breaker pop? Yeah. All the, I mean, we've all had it happen, right? I mean, when the circuit breaker pops, your electricity don't flow. Right. You know what pop, pops your spiritual circuit breaker, your grace breaker, your faith breaker? Self-righteousness. Yeah. If you try to earn it, you pop the breaker, and you don't get nothing. And so what we have to try to do is, 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 to, is to not try to earn it and to embrace Jesus. How many of Jesus is your righteousness? I mean, you don't need a fig leaf when Jesus is covering you. Can you get an amen? Amen. You don't need that. But it says, for if those who are the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. So how many of the enemy wants frustrated Christians that have no promises? The enemy wants frustrated Christians who don't have an inheritance. What's the enemy going to try to do? He's going to try to get you to embrace the fig leaf as your right standing with God. Or your right standing with other people. He's always going to try to get you into legalism. He's always going to try to frustrate grace. And that's how he does it, right? And, and so what we have to do is we have to not allow whatever fig leaf the world has developed into our lives, whatever fig leaf your parents have developed into your life. How many of your parents can pop a fig leaf one? They introduce you. You are this child. Yeah, this, this, this child does this. This child does that. You follow me? It's easy to do. But at the same time, we have to be careful because, I mean, we don't want any of our children identifying and having their value in anything other than Jesus Christ. Because that's the only cornerstone that can't, of the foundation that can't be changed. Amen? Now, now, and then in Matthew chapter, chapter, no, 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 we won't go there. Go to Romans chapter 1, please. And we'll, we'll begin to close right here, but. God's after your fig leaves, amen, and he wants to remove them, and you may not like it when it happens, but uh, you will like it when it's over, amen, and uh, and a lot of times the way a fig leaf comes off is really, it, uh, many times, it's just through failure, you know, through, um, and I mean, you know, through, you know, just not identifying with that any longer, you know, um, it's, it's really, it's, it, we just, we have to be careful, because as, as, as humans, we want to gather fig leaves. Yeah. We like our fig leaves, man. Yeah. And, and, and it's, once again, it's okay to have all the things that I talked about. It's okay to work hard. It's okay to play a sport. It's, it's okay uh, to want to, to, to be beautiful. It's okay um, to, to, to want to be liked. It's okay to have all these things, but, those, but all those things need to come from inside. Your value needs to come from in here, not out here. Amen. And and we need to uh, we need to endeavor to endure that ourselves. I mean, we need to constantly reinforce that into our children. 
I will not raise my daughter, her thinking her values will not create you. I'm not doing that. I'll tell you, Sandy, again. I do not want her to have all of her identity on what she loves. Yeah. Even the concept of that makes me angry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, her, her value should not be on what somebody else thinks about her. Her value should be in Christ. You follow me? And we have to be careful not to do that. Because, I mean, we live in a world where, you know, we dress her up in a little dress. Oh, it'd be so pretty. And, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to be careful that, that we don't put her in this little tiny lane that that's the only thing where the way she can have value. You know? Can't be for how smart she is. You know, can't be for for what she does or 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 how many of you can just be because she's a child of God. And let the fruit flow out of that. Y'all tracking me here? And, and I know that's totally contrary to the way the world operates, but how many we gotta take a stand against the way the world operates? Our kids don't need that. We gotta hopefully we can get our kids to open their eyes and and to see through all that junk. Yeah. You know, because I'm going to know if you can, as a young person, you can get your eyes open to that early, then you've you got a lot of pain and struggle you don't got to deal with. Amen. I wish I had known I was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when I was in high school. Yeah. My gosh, man, it had changed my whole life. I was crippled by insecurity because of my home life and stuff like that. I mean, it's just crippled by it. So I just, I had to, oh, I had to keep this fig leaf up so people thought I was okay, man. And um, if I'd have known that, if I'd have known what I know now, somebody would have tried to instill that in in the young people, you know, because uh, the world's right there to snatch them up and make them identify with something that hurts them, that harms them, you know. All, only the devil can sell death and make it look attractive. Amazing, isn't it? We didn't even had this conversation, you know, because you know you just see it, you know, and thank God his eyes are open to it. But, I mean, most of what is cool is destructive. Yeah, you know, partying. Yeah. Yeah, all these things. It's sad. I mean, you, you just get a real bold display of it on, on the Internet now. Because you'll see kids practically kill themselves trying to be accepted. And then what you brought out, I mean, the, time, the whole time clock. I mean, we as adults, we look at that thing. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's all we're going to do. But, but like for them, they, they're like trying to be accepted. They're trying to, as they say, to get clapped. <laughs> you know, they're trying to get um, all of these things. And so they'll do something that almost kills them in video and in the process so that they can impress somebody or get a like or whatever or get a view. And, and uh, we, we as believers, we have to take a stand against it. How I mean, it always begins with us. Like, it's difficult for me to pass on to someone when I don't already have in my own life. Yeah. Like, if I'm covered in fig leaves, it's going to be harder for me to tell my children not to be covered in fig leaves. You understand what I'm saying? And I, and I don't say that to put pressure on us, but I say that, you know, if you're in the airplane, they tell you to put your mask on first. Why? They don't tell you to put on your kids. Why? Because if you don't have oxygen, you can't help nobody. And so there's an element of this that when you're breaking some off, something off of your life, whether it's an addiction or, or whatever, or a, a false identity, how many of us will be easier for you to pass on truth to your children? Yes. Are you all tracking me here? Amen. And so anyway, and so we don't know, we want God to remove all faith we've done in our lives and live in a place of freedom, live in a place that we know we're loved. This is the last place that, that we're, we're, we're going to close right here because I kind of switched over and started talking about faith a little bit in regards to self-righteousness. 
Jesus was like, man, if you can curse the self-righteousness and get it out of your life, then great mountain-moving faith is going to flow. Because the moment that, that self-righteousness is introduced, grace is voided, faith is voided, and now you're climbing the mountain in your own strength. And we don't want that. But this, this passage in Romans chapter 1, it, this, is, this is the fountain where faith flows, you know. Let's say, let me give you this analogy real quick so, so that it can be easy to understand. But let's say we're all outside and we're all so thirsty. And we're just like, golly, man, I just need something, need something to drink, need some, need some water, you know, and, 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 you know, just need it so bad. And, you know, we can find a little drop here and a little drop here and see a little bit. And then we see a stream of water flowing. I mean, you know, if we can follow that stream to the source, then we can get it in its... You say that there was a water hose that was turned on somewhere on this property. And we're all trying to find it because we don't want to be drinking the stream off the ground or in the grass. But if we can follow the water, we can find the source. We can get it straight from the source. We can get it pure. Get it pure. There's a source for your faith. There's a source. There's the place where faith flows. Now, it's always Jesus. Yeah. It's always Jesus. But in this specific instance, it's Jesus as your righteousness. That's where faith flows. When you understand that you're the righteousness of God, and it comes from Jesus, your faith is going to flow. It's going to be easier to trust God. It's going to be easier to receive the promises of God. Because you're not trying to earn them or deserve them. You're just receiving them. You track me here? Let me read you this. Um, and I'm going to read it to you actually out of the Amplified. Because it, 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 Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 it says, for in the gospel, a righteousness which God describes is revealed both springing from faith and leading to faith. Revealed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, and through faith is just and upright, shall live by faith. What, 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 what is that saying, Jeremiah? You're right. And please just catch this final moment. Just give me, give me all your attention for just a moment. You're made right with God through faith, right? But if you'll Stay right with, if you'll, and this is where we're, help me Lord, this is where we're going. If you'll continue to embrace Jesus as your righteousness, it will lead to more faith. Yeah. Revealed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. If you're right with God by faith, it's going to be easier to receive healing by faith. If you're right with God by faith, it's going to be easier to receive protection by faith. If you're right with God by faith, it's going to be easier for your, to receive provision. Because it all comes through Jesus. Because the way the enemy attacks you, yes, we know God's powerful, but is he going to be powerful for you? Is he going to heal you? Is he going to provide for you? Is he going to promote you? I mean, the enemy always tries to introduce you as the weak link. And I mean, we've seen it in times past, it's not about us. The covenant's with Jesus. And so if you can just understand that you're the righteousness of God, the enemy won't be able to condemn you out of the promises of God. Are you on track with me? And here's a very important point to make. This is so important. Listen to me. Just because you're not experiencing a certain promise right now doesn't mean you're not in faith. Please understand that. Not, not everything that God does that happens like this. No, you don't. Not at all. Yeah. In fact, a lot of most of it's through seed time and harvest. I'm not talking about your giving. I'm talking about the seed being planted in your heart, the seed growing, 
than the full corn in the year producing. For example, we had many years where we had one child. We wanted more children, desperately. Now we had to shut the mouth off. Just being as real as I possibly can, but like we waited and waited and waited and waited, and now we're fruitful. We're we're we don't want any. We don't want to be any more fruitful. <laughs> I mean, I'm being honest. Like like we're like you know we good. You know what I'm saying? Because like. Because, you know, like, they only make vehicles so big. Yeah, yes, amen. I get some, some signs in the back. <laughs> and like, if we have to, we're going to have to get the bus. There's going to be a Johnson bus, you know, and like, you know, and, and so anyway, so I'm just saying we are satisfied. <laughs> but my point is, is that that harvest in our lives took longer than in some other people's lives. Did it mean we were doing something wrong? Did it mean that blah, 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 us, us? No, 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 no. I mean, no, that everyone here, you're a different type of tree. And you bring forth fruit in a different season than somebody else. And that's why it's so important not to compare yourself to somebody else. Don't do it. Don't you dare compare yourself to somebody. If, you don't, if we all have an individual fingerprint that has not been duplicated in the history of man, how much more you're born against spirit? And so I say that not just for childbearing. I say that for finances. I say that for the health of your body. I say that for protection. I say that for peace. I say that for relationships. I mean, you know, all the promises are yours. And as you embrace Jesus as your righteousness and stay there, there's going to be a fruitfulness that comes into your life, but your field's going to grow fruit differently than somebody else's field. Can I get an amen? We are not carbon copies. We are not bricks in somebody's building. We are vines. And actually, we're branches. And we produce fruit, amen? But he's the one that does it. So don't, please, don't, don't allow the enemy to compare you with somebody else. Because listen to me, if you compare your life to somebody else, you're going to be miserable. If you're constantly comparing yourself with somebody else, you are never going to be happy. You're, you're meant to be you. And it's such an attack of the enemy to make you compare yourself to somebody else and feel bad because you don't want to have what somebody else has. I mean, the Bible calls that covetousness. It's not born of your spirit. It's actually born of the flesh. And I don't care how good your life is, you will never be happy unless you're thankful. The level of enjoyment of your life is your gratitude. I know, Jeremiah. I, I, I enjoy hearing, uh, you know, I'm, I, Jim Carrey has got some, you know, he's not a believer, you know, and he's not necessarily honoring God, but he's got some pretty good wisdom. Uh, and I would say it's more like Ecclesiastes type wisdom, like wisdom without God involved, if you'll allow that term. Uh, just hear me out. He said something. He's, you know, and this other guy, too, he was like, He's so miserable. He had everything he ever wanted, but he's still miserable. You know, and I heard another, just miserable. Why? Because you can't be happy unless you're thankful. I mean, you can have everything this world has to offer. And if you are not thankful, you're not going to be happy. And you can have a small child in a third world country who just got a ball, who's way happier than you. 
got this and this and this and this and this and this. And this child is light years ahead of you on happiness. Why? Because, because of the condition of the child's heart. The child's thankful. If the, if the devil can get you to compare yourself to somebody else and you wish you had what they had, you'll never enjoy what you have. It's the truth, man. And gratitude, man. Thanksgiving. Amen. And, that, and honestly, that's one of the things that grace teaches us. It teaches us how to remain thankful. Because I mean, every good thing that's happened in your life is a result of what God placed in you. He said, well, I worked hard for this, I worked hard for that. Yes, you did, but who gave you the strength? Yeah, you did, but who gave you the gift? Who gave you the knowledge? Never forget where it comes from. Because that's how you can stay happy. How many of y'all want to be happy? We do, man. This is one of the secrets to happiness is gratitude. And not focusing on what you don't have, but focusing on what you do have. You know, I can remember a time in my life uh, when I was homeless, you know, and uh, I'm closing this off. Shut up. Amen. Leave my watch beat. My watch is going to be done, man. But I remember my time when I was homeless, and I don't know how much it meant to me to just get a shout. Like a shout. Or to get a meal. Like, or just get a couple bucks so I could buy um, granola bars. I used to buy those granola bars over 25 cents a piece because it was a great form of sustenance. You know, you get four granola bars for a dollar. And so, like, to get a shower and a meal, so thankful, so happy, so grateful. And then today, I can have 20 meals, you know, and, and, and 20 showers. And, and have all the things that I have and be less happy than what I was when I was homeless and just got a shower and got a meal. Are y'all tracking me? It puts things into perspective. Yeah. How many of we, we have more things to be thankful for than we have to complain about? Yeah. How many know the world's on a complaining kick? Yeah. Yeah. Complain about the government, complain about the pandemic, complain about all the crazy stuff. We can complain about, but how I many know complainers aren't happy? Thankful people are happy. Yeah. Amen. This is God sliding in another sermon in the midst of a sermon. Yeah. <laughs> this is God by His Spirit. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. A truth that the Lord gave me to help break me free of comparing myself to others. Yeah. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I was made with intent yeah. and a specific design and intent to fulfill on earth that no one else can. Yeah. That is true for every, every single, single human being. Regardless of their position, yeah. regardless of where they came from, yeah. you were intended by God for greatness. Yeah. That greatness is not determined by what the world is thinks is greatness. Yeah. Greatness is determined by what God has designed you for. That's why all you can find is in Him. But don't, 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 listen, the enemy wants to pigeonhole us all into the same mold. Yeah. And we're not the same mold. We are a unique, diverse, wonderfully made, entrusted to the glory of God to display His goodness on the earth. And like the colors of the, of the earth and the colors of the rainbow and all the different expressions of look at all the different things that come together to create beauty. Yeah. If the earth that 
realize that I'm what do you think we are? Yeah, so don't ever count out that what you are if you're specifically made. Yeah. And it doesn't matter the audience you have. True. What matters is that you a tree doesn't care about what audience it has. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a tree is being magnificent when you see a beautiful magnolia tree. Or whatever. They're just being. Get that truth in you, yeah. and you'll live fulfilled and happy, and you know that you are God. God did not make a single mistake when you were born. Yeah. It doesn't matter the circumstances of your of your uh, uh, of how you came to be. You still are breathing because you have the life of God in you. That was with intent and with purpose and with unique design. It's good. It's good. And. We don't tell this to one another in the body of Christ. We all try to fit into one another's mold. And we're going to understand what. Now, you have the freedom to be within the guidelines of where God says it's right and wrong. Sure, sure, sure. But there's, there's uniqueness, there's a specificness, there's a beauty, there's a glory to how you've been put together to fit in this body of Christ. It's all meant to come together and work together, but it's also meant to display the diversity and the glory of God. It's good. good word. It's good word, man. Very good. Amen. So, in, in closing, I'm just going to... Well, let's go to the Lord and let's just ask Him about our failings. You know what I'm saying? Because just like Eli, you know, with that thing on the back of his leg... It, it hampered because what really started bothering us is he started walking like this, you know. And as a parent, you didn't hate that seeing your kid, you know, in that much pain, but still he wouldn't let us touch it, you know. And so I had to pull the dad move and you know hold him down, and get it, you know, get it out, which I hated doing it. But but how I many know it's love that's making that happen, right? And so let's go before the Lord and just and let's just yield ourselves and surrender ourselves and say, well, what what is the fig leaf that I'm trusting in that you don't work on? Amen. So let's all do that here in a moment. Don't you don't mind? We do the same. Father, we just present ourselves to you. What fig leaf are you looking to remove out of our lives, Lord? As you've clearly demonstrated today through your through the message, Lord, that you don't want us living behind any fig leaf or any match. Lord, we present ourselves to you. We say, Lord, show us it, help us remove it, and let us heal and move past it. Well, we thank you for that.